greet you in the strong name of Jesus today. What a beautiful atmosphere of worship and praise. And that's part of what the church is all about, to praise and to worship our great God. Jesus is altogether lovely, and God is altogether deserving of our praise and our uh, adoration. Thank you for this wonderful privilege to open the word of truth. And my prayer is always that you will hear truth in this place and that you will see and experience love in this place. And so uh, with that, let me... Because he's got to be more than that. Or you see it with a, a little bit about my position and some of the things that I get to do as the youth pastor here at Lakeview. Um, kind of fun to uh, have um, those that are near us and... Some of us are, some of our, our uh, people here serve in that uh, school system, and uh, we have a number of students that attend that high school, and so we're just really proud of, of them as they represent um, our, our city or near, nearby. Stuff like that for the whole church, but as far as just with the youth, I get to do a lot of different things planted. Representing Christ in some ways and their expressions of prayer after the ball game and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, um, but they're always hungry, and, and I've realized that as a result of this, a lot of our business, good way to go. God bless you. I enjoyed uh, listening to that. Um, I was able to catch the game on satellite, but uh, they were a little bit de- de- delayed, I think it was. You guys got the first word, and I finally shut the TV. I watched the visu- visual and shut the TV off and just listened to you guys. It was really good. So congratulations to them. First of all, um, before I go any further, I want to say on behalf of my mother and our family, I want to thank all of you who have been so gracious to ask how my mother is getting along and you've lifted her in prayer and it's just very much appreciated that you've asked for the Lord's comfort and healing. She took a fall on the ice last Monday, uh, almost a week ago now. She was on her way to the YMCA to swim and exercise. She's 87 years old and she's working hard to try to stay as fit as she can and she went down and she went down hard. And um, broke the fibia and the tibia and, and the bone sadly protruded through the skin. And she had some blood loss there. And early in the morning it was cold. But the Lord had a caring neighbor who noticed the fall and was able to call quickly for help. And she was transported to the hospital. She was uh, released from the hospital on Friday evening to a wonderful skilled care unit there in her hometown and uh, she's pretty happy about that place, and um, we're, we're thankful for that. And so, uh, Cynthia and I just really appreciate your prayers uh, for her. It's, uh, I wouldn't want that kind of a break if I was 18 years old. Uh, at 87, that's it, a challenge, and some of you know what we're talking about, so praise the Lord. The staff have asked me to spend some time today uh, lifting up the theme of the church You may have noticed that in some of the words that were spoken, the songs that were sung, a focus on the church. It fits in really beautifully with the series that we've been in in Philippians because the Apostle Paul, who penned that letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been addressing the church, local churches, and in particular this local church at Philippi, as he shares with them and as he shares with us, really, uh, what God wants us to know about the bride he has been preparing for his son, Jesus. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. 
I don't know if you've thought about the church as a bride, but the scriptures, the New Testament in particular, speaks of the church of Jesus Christ as being a bride in preparation for a wonderful celebration when the groom comes for his church, for his bride. It's interesting to me as I've been thinking about today and the topic that God has used the image of a marriage to help us prepare for the end of this world as we know it and the beginning of a new world to come. Now let me say that again. That may have gone right right past you. But God has used the imagery of a marriage to help us prepare for the end of this world as we know it and then the transition time into a new world that God has prepared for those that belong to Him. It's just interesting to me. Got a little picture up there to help us think about marriage in particular. So there's a couple. And as I was looking at that picture, I thought, eh, a little stiff, no smiles, a little waxy. I don't know. What do you think? Not so sure. Let's put another picture up there. Let's see what it... Uh, uh, that one's a little pasty, a little, I don't know, unexcited, like... I don't know. I was, I, I don't think I looked like that. In fact, I thought about putting a picture of Cynthia and I when we got married up there because I was, you know, I was a whole lot happier than that, I, I think. <laughs> I, you know, it seems to me that on top of that cake, there ought to be, hey, I, she said yes. She said yes. And uh, she should be thinking, he loves me with all of his heart and wants to be with me forever. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's the way it ought to really be, uh, I think. And so we'll talk about that just a little bit. Interestingly, he has used the idea of a marriage relationship as an iconic portrayal for us to understand his plan for eternity. Let me say that again. God has used, and Paul is using this in his letter, he's used the idea of a marriage relationship. Now, if you're not married today, this is still for you. If you're a single, this is still for you. If you're a single who will be married someday before Jesus comes, this is for you. If you are single because God has given you a gift of singleness and you're happy in your singleness, this is still for you. But the the uh, picture of a marriage he has used in the scriptures as an iconic portrayal to understand God's plan for eternity. And that needs some clarification. So let me ask a question to kind of get us rolling here. What would you say, and you don't have to speak this out loud, but I just want you to think this internally. What would you say is the purpose of marriage? What, what is the purpose of marriage? Now, I've talked to a lot of people about marriage over the years of ministry, whatever, and I would say that... ...world alive. But, there's another idea in Scripture... ...and ministered to them, and he spent three years with the church at Ephesus. And it's more than just happiness. It's more than just having our needs met. It's more than investing ourselves in the needs of someone else. It's more than just having company and relationship. What would it be? So let's turn to Genesis and let, let's look at, 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 the, at the answer, the true answer to the purpose of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. And that'll get us rolling here, I think, in a right frame of mind. So... 
The man, Adam, it's talking about Adam and Eve. Adam, the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found, found a helper suitable for him. Now, let me pause there for just a moment. Isn't it interesting to read between the lines there? It's like the Lord said, Adam needs some help. <laughs> I mean, the, men need help. Men need help in this world. Amen, ladies? They need help. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. And then God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. Some tips to live by, some practical advice. He talks a lot about unity within the church. My bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In verse 24, for this reason... A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the- a little bit of background on them. Um, this is a group of believers that had already been formed. And- to become one flesh. The purpose of marriage, to become one flesh. It doesn't say that about any friendship you've got. The purpose of friendship is that you become one flesh. Nope. Uh, the, you know, the purpose of being in the band together and be, become one. No, it doesn't say that. It's just man, a man, and a woman, one flesh. Now, there's a concept of oneness here that God, right in the beginning of his word, is beginning to, to want to plant into our minds, into our spirits about oneness. This text, a, a heading, I might title it, knowledge, that you may be filled that is an important and an enduring symbol. God is planting into the minds of believers, <clears throat> into the minds of those who are part of his true church, something about uh, oneness that is going to be an important and enduring symbol. <clears throat> Excuse me. Marriage. So the picture of a groom with his bride is an icon. The picture of a groom and his bride is an icon. It's a symbol. It is an image. It's a sort of a blueprint, uh, 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 in a manner of speaking, to give us a picture of God's plan for what happens when this life as we know it transitions to heaven for those who are a part of the true church. Now, every church... This one included has people that are not necessarily a part of the true church. And we're hoping that you will, you will become a part of the true church before, before Jesus comes or before you die. That's part of our, our, our mission is to make sure you hear the gospel, the good news that Jesus wants you in his family, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus paid the price for, for what's keeping you out of heaven at this point. And that is one sin, let alone all the sins. That God knows about in our lives. And if you would put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we sing to him. That's why we give him glory and praise and honor. That he took what we couldn't fix. And he fixed it for us. And he did it through the sacrifice of his own life. And so, so God is saying. 
This is, there's going to be some things for my family that are in Jesus, that are in his family, that are going to happen when this world as we know it, or when we lay down and give up the ghost, so to speak, and when we die, if we die before Jesus comes, there are some things that you can anticipate happening by way of heaven. And marriage is a beautiful symbol, he says, of oneness that God is planting in our spirit to to be thinking about what happens after this life. Perhaps, perhaps that symbolism is one of the reasons why the enemy of God, Satan, has made... Like, the whole district youth come to this event, and you will never see... It's fierce today. It is the, the assault upon one man and one woman in a oneness, one flesh relationship before God in this world is under the greatest assault of any time that I can remember. Now, some of you are older than I am, but I've lived a little while. It is fierce against marriage today. And I think we can, we'll be able to understand exactly why the enemy has pushed so hard on that. Because it's an iconic picture, a portrayal of how God wants oneness to be working in our lives right now. And what oneness is going to look like. effort into corrupting the relationship that God initiated between a man and a woman. He's trying to push it into brokenness and division and strife and distorted expressions of what marriage really is supposed to look like according to God and ultimate destruction of marriage so that one day the whole concept of marriage could easily just be lost in history. But there's good news this morning. And the good news is that God, in case you had just forgotten for a moment, God is in control of everything that he has determined. Amen? God is still in control of everything he's determined from the beginning of time that was good and exciting about marriage. And it's going to culminate in heaven for those who are part of the bride of Christ and our prayer which makes a lot of sense right and so I figured I'd share some of the things that I've this again on one uh, phrase near the end of the passage Philippians 4 1 to 4 therefore my beloved brethren Paul says to the Philippian church and he's saying to Lakeview whom I long to see my joy and crown we've talked about that in this way stand firm in the Lord stand firm in this way stand firm in the Lord my beloved I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So God's in charge, he's in control, everything's going to be all right. But what can we understand in the symbolism of marriage as it relates to the church of Jesus Christ and our transitioning into uh, an experience with God in heaven for all of eternity? So let's take that phrase, whose, name is, whose names are in the book of life, and let's relate it this morning for just a few moments to the picture of a marriage. The picture of a marriage. I was thinking about this passage and I, I thought, if I were to, and you don't need to take what I say as uh, the same as reading the word for yourself, but 
maybe it will give you a little thought or an impression or an insight into, into helping to process what Paul is saying here. So I thought, how would I say this in today's English, uh, in today's culture? How would I say what Paul is trying to say? And I don't say this is perfect, but I just, I wrote this down. And here's, here's kind of how I think Paul might have said it today to the people that live here in Marion. Seriously, you guys. I mean, seriously. Remember, we're all fellow members of God's family. And I'm asking you to help these two ladies from quarreling. Tell them, stop doing that. Tell them. We're all symbolically married to Jesus. And we all love him with all of our hearts. In fact, these two ladies... Jesus proud. So it's like, come on, man. Come on, you guys. Clement, come on. Clement and some of the rest of you family members, come on, you guys, who are also married to Jesus. You've got to get with them. Get with these two women and help them stop fighting with each other because Jesus deserves better. And quite frankly, it isn't representing the marriage. Aren't you excited this morning? Blew in to hear my version of the scripture. Now, there are two important truths this morning that I hope I can bring across to us this morning. One is going to be really easy to understand, and one is going to aggravate somebody. So I'm just warning you. Uh, all of my life in ministry, I have, I have been successful in aggravating at least some people from time to time. And I suspect that that happens here uh, in this place, too. Uh, but I love you. And I hope you keep loving me. The first one is, when people are saved, when they have this relationship with Jesus Christ, when people are saved, they symbolically are united to Christ as his bride. He's not a polygamist. His bride is made up of many people. Not Amen. You may be seated. Operating as a bride. In effect, every person who has received Jesus Christ as their... Some words or some phrases or references that you don't quite know what they mean. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and you know that you're saved from your sins because you have called upon him through your faith and your, your belief in him and his, his death, burial, and resurrection, and you've invited his power to come into your life to forgive you and to make you alive without the condemnation and penalty of sin anymore on your back, if you have done that, then you are a part, you are automatically a part of the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the true church in the world. All churches in the world are not true churches. That's why we call the true church in the world it's a universal church, but it is an invisible church. It's invisible in the... And what it actually looks like to be the church. But right in between these two... There are illegals, so to speak, spiritually speaking, in every church around the globe. 
And only God knows what's in the heart and in the mind. Now, we can, we can try to sort some of that out and make a good guess based on how people talk, how people live, what people say, all that sort of thing. But the truth of the matter is only God knows who the visible, the true visible believers are, who are the true bride of Christ. And when Jesus comes for his bride, the true church, there's going to be a tremendous day of celebration A tremendous day of rejoicing and gladness in heaven when God throws a great feast called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, slain for the sin of the world. And God's going to throw a big wedding feast. He's going to throw a great big party. And there's going to, I don't know what's going to be served to eat, whatever. But all I know is you, you don't want to miss it. And you, know, you want to be there. And it's going to be a tremendous experience. When Jesus and his true bride, every true believer in Jesus Christ, are finally married together. Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice. And be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. We're the bride. How are we making ourselves ready for the wedding, and for the feast, and for the celebration, and for the rejoicing that's going to happen on the other side of this experience of of life in heaven? It, It was given to her... To clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. So we call the bride of Christ the true church invisible. In other words, they are literally all over the globe this morning, and Jesus knows who belongs to him. As I said, there are doubters, there are imposters, they don't belong, and Jesus knows who they are. Only those who truly love and know Jesus. Just teenagers, I, my brother, I remember he was constantly eating and like had hollow legs. And... Great day of celebration. That was point number one. Now point number two that gets a little frisky for some people is this one. Every member of the bride of Christ, according to the New Testament, as I understand it, every member of the bride of Christ is expected to be a member of a local church until Jesus comes for us. You say, I can't find a verse that says that exactly like that. That's because you haven't been reading the Bible. That's because you haven't connected the dots That's because there are pieces in the Word of God that speak this kind of truth, but but He expects us to listen to the Holy Spirit to connect these dots so that we're not just doing everything on the basis of what I think or what I feel or what I like or what I want. It's really supposed to be about what Jesus wants. Amen? It is impossible to read the New Testament in full without coming to understand that our involvement in a local church is how we are to function as believers until Jesus comes. It was expected.
expected that the overseers in each local church knew the flock over which they were overseers or responsible. When you read the New Testament, you can see from Paul to Peter to all of those that were working in the life of the early church that there was an expectation that these folks are paying attention to who's coming to Christ, who's getting baptized, who's married and who's not, and and uh, who lives where and who's in what parish, so to speak, and uh, who, to, who got a job in another city that have to leave this church and need to go to another city where there's another church. And they're tracking all of these things such that they knew there were 3,000 or such that they knew that there were 5,000. It's clear that the New Testament speaks to these things. An example of this. You say, well, where do you see that in the scripture? Well, I find it in the, in the, in the woman called Phoebe. Phoebe. Read up about Phoebe. She carried a letter from a church near Corinth to a church in Rome. And Paul makes it clear that he not only knows her, but he commends her to their respect and to their willingness to help her in the work of the Lord. Paul does that. Where do you see that? Romans 6, verse 1. Listen. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria. That you in Rome. So we were pretty high. But as we went higher, we kept on finding these new things, these cool things. You help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. So Phoebe was on a spiritual assignment that necessitated her moving from one local church to another church. Uh, endorsement when it was necessary for a person to move from one local church to another. Paul and others in the church near Corinth, they knew this woman. They knew her name. They knew her gifts. They knew her service. They knew her activities. They knew her heart the best that it could be known. And they were able to vouch for her as she moved. of some people in the church today. See, see, the fact of the matter is the overseers in the life of a local church are responsible about God's riches, His abundance, His, His ability to give abundance. We have a responsibility. Myself, our pastoral staff, the local board of administration, some of your teachers and your small group leaders we have a responsibility in the Lord. We have to give account for how we handle ourselves to protect the flock that God has made us overseers in. Uh, sometimes today, uh, you know, if we, if we hear a, a choir or a gifted singer in one place and uh, we decide, you know what, I really like that music over there. So I think I'm going to go over there. Even though I've been here, but I think I'm going to go over there. Or... And then the other <laughs> pick corner picture is from the Grand Tetons as well. From an unmarked... Follow that leader or that style of speaking or preaching or whatever it may be. Or programs that may be in a particular place. Others sometimes pick and choose with the remote control. 
And they will, they will make their church, so to speak, uh, the, the flat church on the flat screen, so to speak, on any given day. And you hit the buttons and you just pick the one that, that, that suits your fancy. So I like the way this one, or this, I like the way this woman teaches, or I like the way this guy uh, speaks, and he's got a lot of energy, and he's easy to listen to, or I like uh, the surroundings in that place, or I like the facilities better. It just, boy, when I see all that and whatever, and that's where I, I think that's where I'm going to go or whatever. And we pick and we choose. See, the problem with that is that there is a limited opportunity with that kind of a, a mindset and that kind of a moving around from time to time to get the whole picture of what God had in mind for the individual Christian and the role of the church in their lives. It isn't so much about what fancies me or what fancies you. And this isn't just about Lakeview. This is about church in general. This is for people listening on the Internet that don't even go to church. This is teaching from God's Word to try to help us understand how does God want us to interface with the church? And sometimes when we, when we do this moving from time to time, sometimes often, more often than, ne- than, than needs to be, we get a smattering of one thing or another, but little opportunity to connect the dots to really a doctrine and to, to things that will sustain us in the hard places of our journey with God. One. Listen to listen to what is the responsibility of overseers in a local church. He says, "Be on guard, guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood." I know that after my departure, in other words, He's saying when I when I'm no longer around. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, in other words, from even within the very church itself, he says, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Admonishing people is, uh, admonishing is a warning. And, you know, most people, most people kind of resist people dipping into their business and trying to tell them what, you know. And so it just keeps going and we go higher and higher and higher. And, and you can see in some of these pictures here, and maybe that's why he was crying. I don't know. People were mean to him. And he was trying to help them, trying to encourage them, trying to warn them, trying to protect them and protect the life of the church when these things come up. And people don't always appreciate that. They just really don't. But they should in the end. It's sort of like a child growing up in the home. And sometimes the counsel is not what they really wanted to hear, not what they really wanted to do. And sometimes they rebel, they react. Sometimes they get kind of nasty and they say mean things to people that are putting food on the table and clothes on their back and, uh, and taking care of them. And they, they don't always show appreciation for that at first. But when they mature, oftentimes they'll come back and say, you know what, uh, I was raised in a really good home. I really was. 
My mother and father taught me things that would last and would sustain me and protect me. And I'm thankful for it. The word for overseers in this passage. The word for overseers is episkopos. Episcopal. That's where we get the English word episcopal. And it means a guardian or a superintendent. One of the things that I have to do as an overseer here in this place and for the last 48 years of my life has been to be a guardian of the various flocks that God has placed me in. And uh, that's a superintendent. That's someone who, who, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not that it's tyrannical or dictatorial. It's not out of that spirit because we're supposed to be doing everything out of love. Amen? But the fact of the matter is there does need to be some superintending that happens in the life of a local church. Now the word for shepherd is poimeno, poimeno. And that means to rule or to act like a shepherd. So if I didn't act like a shepherd, I, I got to stand before the Lord one day and give account for that. So I'm trying to understand what, and our, our staff are trying to understand, and our board members and our, our lay leaders are trying to understand how do we superintend and guard the flock? How do we rule without them thinking we think we're the big shot boss and everything has to, uh, it's, you know, I hear this all the time. If you give... Give up on making it to the fire lookout, the, the highest maintained trail in Glacier. But Matt, if I'm climbing higher, and say, oh, oh, come up here, you guys see this. And he kept on going here, I'm like some direction from the Lord. And they may it may need to be modified because the scripture says there's wisdom in boyfriend literally pushed me when I needed it. And through lots of stops and teeth sit down and we reason together about things about the life of the church. It's and it's not just all about me or one of our staff people or whoever's got the strongest personality or whatever. That's not really how it's supposed to be. If you were to ask most pastors around the world, what's the first question people ask about church membership? Many pastors would probably say this. Why do we have to be a member of a church? And a little bit of love or comprehension or fullness. He's praying for all of these things. Like, what's the big deal? Why are you pushing this at us? And the answer to that is... You don't have to. You know how I know that? Because there's a whole bunch of you out there that didn't do that. And you're still here. So I kind of know that's, that's the way it works for some folks. And many do choose not to become a member of a local church. Many ch- He's praying for them to have more power, more faith. Yeah, my job is not in jeopardy if you don't become a member, because you don't force somebody to do something like that. It needs to come out of their own heart. It's sort of like, so why would you marry somebody? Because they uh, forced you into having to love them even though you didn't feel love in your heart? No, you, you, want, the, you want it to come from the inside out. Amen? Uh, but there needs to be teaching about it. And God has given us this marriage picture as a, as a picture of how he wants the local church to operate and the bride of Christ, whom we, the true believers really are, to be able to function in a local church. Now, this, uh, somebody says, well, what's the second most frequently asked question uh, to pastors or people that are leading membership classes? And it would go something like this, I think. Why do we have to have an interview with somebody to become a member? Why do we have to schedule an appointment and have to sit down with one of the pastors or whoever's teaching, one of the lay people who's teaching discipleship and the membership process? And the answer to that question is the same answer as the first question. You don't have to. 
You don't have to come to an interview if you don't want to. You don't have to. You know how I know that? Because many of you are still here and you didn't come for an interview. Some of you didn't even get asked to come to an interview because you never showed any interest in church membership here in this place. Or maybe some other church where you used to be or used to live, whatever. The thing is, the elders of the church are charged to safeguard the church from evil. And it has the responsibility to instruct, to admonish. You know, oh, well, he admonished me. Yeah, well, he's got, I think he has a personality disorder. He's mean. He's mean. Or he just told me stuff I didn't like. Or he was firm with me or whatever. You know, it is a responsibility to instruct, to admonish, to encourage, to deploy people. We're going to have a prayer for people we're going to deploy right before we leave here this morning to Mexico. To deploy people, to challenge people, to hold people accountable, to to help people understand simple things like finish what you start. Things like that. Things that are basic. To fund the work. To fund the work of the ministry. To help carry the load. And many other things until Jesus comes for his bride. And I can tell you that is nearly impossible to do when we don't know who's who. When we don't know who's out there. We don't know what the scenario is for folks. In other words, who, uh, who of all the people that come through these doors over the course of 12 months, the last 12 months, who professes Christ that we know of? Who has been baptized and has not been baptized? Why? So we can pick on you? So we can try to push you around or make you feel like a second class citizen or... commanded us to do it and he did it who's been baptized who hasn't who can teach and who's not so gifted at teaching who can lead and who's not so gifted at leading and who can pray and who's not maybe so comfortable praying and who can serve and all of those kinds of things that need to happen in helping to carry the load it's hard to protect the church and it's hard to lead the local church when we don't know who's who and who knows what and who's done what and who's interested in what and all of that sort of thing. I heard, I heard about a lady who called into a radio uh, program. And uh, they were able to ask questions. And one day, this lady calls in and asks the pastor that was doing the, the program what the purpose really was of joining the church. What really is the purpose of joining the church? And so before answering the question, the pastor was wise. He put the question back on her and said, well, what do you think the purpose is? Of joining a local church. And she said, well, I don't know. Seems to me like it's important to be around some people who will take the time to sit down and listen to you and give you a sense that you matter and that somebody cares and they hear your problems and maybe even offer you some advice. That's what I think the purpose of the church is. And the pastor wisely said, well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, but that's not the purpose of the church. Because you can find all of that at the local bar. You can get all that at the tavern on the way home from work. You can find that in a motorcycle club. You can find that in all kinds of different uh, times and ways and places where people want to gather together and have fellowship. The purpose... Of- she sent me several, so here's a, a few pictures from some of her other hikes. Um, the top... These that some of which some of the clubs that are secular might offer but so much more, but in the context of a spiritual definition. For example, fellowship. 
And that's what we're doing here today. It's so cool to say, hey, when we all get to heaven, everybody was, everybody that's in Jesus that understands what that, the implications of that, man, we were all smiling and clapping. Some clapping on one beat and some clapping on the other beat. Did you catch that? That's so cool. Nobody cared about the beat. We're just happy. Because we're all going, if you're in Christ, we're going to heaven. And it's a place where we can have fellowship and have fun doing that together. And it's a place where we can have instruction, which is part of what I'm doing this morning the best I can. It's a place where we can come and find some encouragement, spiritual encouragement. Encouragement in the flesh by brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to appeal to God for the encouragement that we need from God through prayer. Through prayer, the vehicle called prayer. Everybody remember prayer? Okay, good. It's a place where we can worship. It was so fun to come in here and to just worship the Lord. It's a place where, uh, we don't like this one so much, but it's a place... saying to us that he expect, expects that are non-negotiable. And we need a... And knowledge. And then, of course, this, this fullness, this very full fullness of... And every once in a while, we mess around with a non-negotiable. And that's when Paul writes to Clement and some of the others, he said, hey, come on, you guys. Get with those two women. They're good people. They're better than that. They got in a vile argument with each other. And you go in a spirit of love, admonish them, bring some accountability there and say, this is not helping the witness of the church in Marion to have a church split or to have division or to have strife or to have stuff that happens to lots of churches around the world because the devil is after them. It's a place where there's opportunity for service. Some of us, it's not about so much service. Some of us, maybe we pay our tithe and we come and we worship and we praise and we, you know, and then, then we go home and that's the end of it. And there's, there's not much service involved. Now, praying is a part of service. And I realize we don't always know who's praying and all that. And I think we're thankful for that. But there's a place for service. There's a place for drive the church van or there's a place to help clean up the tables after a church dinner or lead a ministry or come and and uh, participate in some project that we've got going on, or help keep the church grounds looking, whatever it is, service. It's a place where we can practice love and be loved. That's what the local church should be. It's like a marriage. That's why the marriage picture is so beautiful. It's a place to love and be loved. It's a place to connect the dots of our spiritual life. And that's part of why we march through passages of Scripture the way we do. So that we can, we can take advantage of the full counsel. And guess what? If I'm not on a particular passage in, in the scriptures that you might need, if you're doing what we already recommended to you, then you are reading through the Bible in a year and you're reading in other places where we're not studying on Sunday morning. And maybe that's where you will get the information and the help that you need for one of the areas of struggle or problem that you have. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a place where we can connect the dots to what God really wants, how he wants us to think and behave and live until he calls the bride home and more. Now, I'm sadly aware of the cultural influences. I'm sadly aware of it. And so are you. People say things like, well, why do I need, have you heard this one? Why do I need a piece of paper to say that I'm married. We can live together without a piece of paper. People do it every day. Why do I need a piece of paper? 
to say that I'm married. Let's just live together and live like we're married. But there's a concept of oneness that God has taught for his children, his family, that is totally missed by that, uh, that perspective. Can I get an amen on that? I hope you get, hope you see that. The Bible doesn't say in a Bible verse somewhere, we have to become members of a church. Because a verse like that, that says it that plain and clear, is not in the Bible, they say. And to that, I would say, they haven't read their Bible. If you are saying that membership in a local church and greater involvement and oneness with a local body of believers is not in the Bible, then I would say you need more of the Word of God in you. In their hearts. And as a result of this faith, these, these things kind of build on each other. Marriage without a commitment to honor certain behaviors as represented in a marriage certificate is a loose arrangement. Living with a woman, living with a man, without a certificate of marriage, and a certificate does not ensure long-term longevity of the marriage. It does not do that. But what it does do is it lays out some guidelines for behaviors that will be helpful to the couple in dealing with the challenges of living with another person and doing it till death do us part. But that's what some people want. In this culture, that's what some people want. What they want is a loose arrangement. And many people in the local church want a loose arrangement. They do not want the church to know too much about their business. They do not want the church to know about the things they're embarrassed about. They do not want the church to know anything. And I understand this. You know, the age thing, that's a given. Nobody wants, you know, people to know your age. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that would make us accountable. Things that would cause us to, to be admonished sometimes. People don't, people don't want other people to know that much about us. And not even our pastors and not even the leaders in the life of the church. It's better to have a loose arrangement. And if one church tries to tighten up that loose arrangement, the temptation is run over to some church that's got a whole mass of people where you can hide. And you never have to worry about being challenged with accountability. Why is it so quiet? We know what behavior might occur on a bad day about each other, don't we? When you, when, you, when you dial in, we learn more about each other. And we all have bad days. We all have times when we are not at our very best. The local church will always have a number of people who want their affiliation with the church to be a loose arrangement. And am I suggesting that you should stop coming to this church if that's what you want? No. Uh, we want you to come. We want you to come. But it's my job as an overseer to help you see a far better thing that I believe the New Testament is talking about. 
And when that happens, I think we see less migration of sheep. First one place, and then another. I call it migrating sheep. I'm not sure that pleases the Lord. I grew up at my pastor's father's knee. My dad was a pastor all my life. I was passage a little bit. At first reading it, it's only eight verses, but there's a lot there. And so for- involved responsibility, involved service, it involved accountability, it involved instruction, it involved admonishment at times, and above all, it always involves love. I, I, saw, I saw things my father went through. I, I saw my father as a young boy come home from board meetings just exasperated. He never said much about it, but I could tell he had mean-spirited, some obstinate, not unruly people. Let me tell you something. Not everybody who makes it on a church board is necessarily a part of the true church of Jesus Christ. There's imposters. And so we have to be careful as overseers. And I, I saw my father pained by some of those things, things that were not, not uh, uh, to me, appropriate and not godly, and things that did not affirm and so things that did not lift his arms and whatever. I, I, I remember one time, I told some of you this, I remember one time the phone rang. I, was, I must have been about 13 years old. My dad had a friend in the church who loved to play golf. My dad was not much of a sports person. But he did play golf because he caddied as a kid. He came from a broken home, so he had to kind of go out and make his way in life a little bit as a young boy and to have any money. He caddied. He caddied at the local country club, and he was pretty good at it. And he said, I paid attention. Because it's so isolated from other hikers, and you get to view the middle, south. How to hold it, and, you know, and so he picked those things up, and he was a pretty good golfer uh, for a dad. And uh, I, I, I can remember one time he was invited uh, to play in a tournament at the local country club. And uh, he, he didn't belong, of course. We didn't have money for that. But this friend got him in the tournament. And uh, they were standing around uh, a golf cart, and somebody from the local newspaper, it was in Zanesville, Ohio, came and shot a picture and put a little deal. Uh, local people compete in such and such a tournament at such and such. Two pictures for us. He says, first of all, I'm praying that you're and, and, uh, and a couple of other guys. Problem? It was hot, and my dad had shorts on. Phone rings. Hello? Is this McClellan's? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, I just want you to know, I saw a picture of your father, in, and then you can imagine what all she said. What a terrible thing. I thought to myself, what nonsense what nonsense overseers have to put up with sometimes to admonish or to help. You know, so, so anyway, the, it's not an easy task. So take it easy on your Sunday school teacher. Take it easy on your small group leader. Take it easy on some of your staff. And take it easy on some of your board members that are, pray for them and encourage them. Because this is, the work of ministry can be a true challenge. It's an amazing thing to me that anyone could read the entire New Testament and not see that an unwillingness to settle down in a relationship of love and commitment, even when you're not totally happy. That's what causes a marriage to make it. That when you're not totally happy, you do some things anyway. Can I get an amen from some of you that has been married more than 10 years? Uh, You have to do that. You have to forgive. You have to love anyway. Because marriage is not all about me. Amen? It's not all about you. 
And being in the church is not all about you. And it's not all about me. Let me tell you why. The church of Jesus Christ, guess who it belongs to? Christ. That is exactly right. It is not, this is not my church. And guess what? It is not your church. It is not the building called Lakeview. You didn't come to church today. You are the church. You and I are the church. The church came into this building with you. So may the Lord teach us all the deeper things as we await the bridegroom's call. Uh, This is just an encouragement to you to consider some things that maybe you haven't considered before. And um, if it causes you to say, eh, I don't know what I think about that. That's his opinion or whatever. That's okay. Just go home and ask God if he's in any of that. And <laughs> I shouldn't probably say what I'm going to say, but, but if something that I said about joining a local church and membership made you angry, you, you need to come to the altar here because there's, some, there's something about that spirit that is somewhat testy and a bit independent and a bit self-serving and a bit, if not rebellious. And you know, rebellion is like unto witchcraft, the Bible says. So you don't want to be like that. So am I expecting everybody to go out and sign up for the membership? No, I'm not, I'm not expecting that. I did hear about a church on the West Coast that has thousands of people. And the pastor preached a message similar to what I'm talking here today. And 600 people signed up to, be, to come into the To get to the top because he knows that it's worth it. See- this is what we believe the New Testament teaches about the relationship that the body of Christ has with a local church and that that pleases the Lord. And there may be times, there are situations where we may need to make a change, but it should not be on the basis of our likes or our wants or all that sort of thing. It should be on the basis of some assignment, some legitimate reason that the Lord has clearly said, it's not just because I don't like something the way it is. That's not a good reason to do that. Can I get an amen? You guys all right out there? Okay. All right. So uh, why did we do this this uh, today? Well, the staff said... Hey, maybe you need to talk a little bit about Christ, the church, and the bride's relationship to the church because we've been in a reaffirmation time of membership. Now, look, the Wesleyan denomination doesn't have a line over every other denomination on the polity and how, how they choose to do a local church membership. But there are some guidelines that were passed, and we tried to follow those, and it aggravated and agitated some of you, and some of you are still upset, and some of you aren't going to change, and I know that. And so, okay, so what? Stop talking about it, okay? Just just keep coming, and don't talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But if some of what I shared with you from God's Word, and I tried not to make this just all my opinion, if some of this is maybe new, or you hadn't thought about it in a certain way, then take it to the Lord and ask the Lord, if you're not a member of the church, uh, to reconsider that and see if that isn't something that God would want you to be a part of. And I, I believe he will bless you if you'll do that. Now, 
Let me pray for us, and then we're going to call our missions team that's going out next Saturday because we want to pray over them. We're going to be sending them out on, uh, on behalf of this church body. But let me pray for you first. Heavenly Father, we've tried to lift up Jesus, and there may be folks here who have never placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's more important than uh, some of the other things that we've talked about. That's vital. That's a non-negotiable, Lord. We know that. And so help people to do what they'll be glad they've done when they stand before you one day and have to give an account for how they've lived their life and what did they do with this Jesus who came in the flesh and suffered and died to cover their debt. And people just blew that off and never did anything with Jesus. So Jesus loves you. And he wants to come into your heart and your life. And he wants to save you. And he wants you to be a part of the bride of Christ. And he wants to put a reservation around the table of the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we all get to heaven, the true church. And he says, hey, go find your name. Your name is at one of the plates around the table. Because there's a reservation with your name on it. And I pray God that people will do what they have opportunity to do before it's too late. To say, Jesus, I want you in my life and I love you and I claim you as my Savior. And then get busy and get involved in a local church and help the church pull the load until Jesus comes for his bride. And I ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask our missions team going to Mexico to come forward right now and to uh, kneel at the altar. Uh, the the uh, missions team leader, um, Cindy Birchell, is going to bring her team forward. And we have adults and we have young people. And I hope they were all able to be here. I'm not sure if they all could make it today. Uh, but uh, as many as are here, that's wonderful. Uh, well, I think it's fine for some to be this side, some to be this side, because as soon as, soon as uh, they're all here, now I am going to ask board members and spiritual leaders in the life of the church and anybody who feels like they want to make sure these folks feel our partnership and our commissioning as they head to Mexico. Get up right now and come and let's let... ...in every way. And as they're coming forward, let me say this. They're going to be in Mexico, the Lord willing... They got one piece of paperwork that still needs to come for one of the members. Supposed to be here hopefully this week. That's a little scary for team leaders because uh, <laughs> you got to have the papers to get in the country. And uh, we pray that that will all happen. But the one thing that is in the heart of this team, you say, why are they going to Mexico? What's the purpose of this trip? Why have they saved their money? Why have some of you even partnered with them to help support this? What is it they want to do as much as anything else they will do? And we have missionaries there and they'll support, they'll encourage the missionaries. And they have some maybe other kinds of projects and little things that they'll do. But the one thing that they want to make sure happens is that the children that have been exposed to the mission down there and some other children, like some of our van children, our bus children, who may or may not have uh, parental support, spiritually speaking, will be able to hear the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it will penetrate deep into their spirits and that when this team leaves that they will have a sense that God has used them to 
burn the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ into their hearts and their souls to the very marrow of their bones. And so let's lay hands out upon this team as they kneel and as they they join. And we're going to, this is called a prayer of agreement before the church marches out the doors to lunch. Lord Jesus, what a beautiful thing it is to be involved with the church of Jesus Christ by having a a personal relationship with you. It, It was my great joy to speak to the people this morning out of your word of truth about the relationship that you want us to have, not only with you, but with the local body of believers. Thank you for this local body of believers called Lakeview Wesleyan Church. And thank you for uh, its history and thank you for its potential future as you tarry in coming for the bride. We pray, Lord, that the... they will be ministering to who will hear the truth of the gospel the good news about Jesus and that they will either make that a new commitment to you father that they love Jesus and want him in their lives or they will be encouraged and their spiritual roots will go even deeper because this team has gone to minister to them Lord they're going out on behalf of this ministry And we ask for your protection spiritually because they're going into places where the enemy has had set up a camp and has had strongholds. There's ugliness in Mexico from the devil. And we ask that you would protect our team. We ask, Lord, that you would give them travel mercies because we know things happen. Even when people are on good assignments in the Lord, sometimes equipment breaks and sometimes people make mistakes and sometimes the weather doesn't always cooperate. And so we ask you to shield them and protect them. Some of them have some health issues going on right now. We pray that you will strengthen their bodies and help them to be strong and and emotionally fit and ready for the task at hand. Thank you for the faithfulness and the sacrifice of this church family who have helped to endorse them financially and now who are praying for them and who will continue to pray for them until they return. And we pray, Father, that when they do return, they will have a spring in their step and they will have a song in their heart as they testify to what you did to bring glory to yourself as a result of their labor of love. Lord, we commission them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said together, Amen. And praise the Lord. Now I want to make sure, let's all stand. I want to make sure that uh, unless you just have to go out and brave the wind so quickly, uh, get around one or two of them and just say, hey, I wasn't up there, but I just want you to know, praying for you. Proud of you. Proud of you for doing this, especially some of the young people. And let them know you're behind them. And now uh, I would say uh, the missions team, the comms team, needs to have a quick meeting in uh, the conference room right after the service. It'll be very quick, but Cindy needs to meet with comms. Everybody, everybody's part of comms, need to meet with Cindy. Father, bless us now and keep us, make your face to shine upon us. And may the joy and the love of the Lord so radiate out of our spirit and out of this church that people are drawn here. And may revival happen in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord and be safe out there.